ladies and gentlemen boys and girls welcome to the triple r show rediscover rejuvenate renew yourself with your very own rajneesh nanda so every other week we interview inspiring personalities to make you and me happier healthier and stronger through hidden mystic and scientific techniques and today we have with us a very unique at the same time very very witty an extremely charming doctor all the way from the bay area dr scott is an internal medicine physician plus an expert in hyperbaric oxygen therapy he is a leading expert in the field of hyperbaric oxygen therapy this amazing doctor has a very unique way of combining hbot with lab tested results through diet nutrition supplements and much more to create outstanding results so ladies and gentlemen boys and girls let's welcome this wonderful doctor and let's get ready to learn secrets to boost your health sleep recovery anti aging and much more dr scott it's an honor to have you welcome to the triple r show could you please share uh, something more about yourself and your journey in the hyperbaric oxygen therapy thank you thank you rajneesh that's a very nice introduction yes i'm over here in the bay area and i'm enjoying your triple r uh, moniker there so happy to help and chat and uh try to do my best to entertain and educate wonderful <laughs> but i try to do so Um yes um I I got involved I'm an internal medicine physician I grew up pretty alternatively though my my father's a chiropractor a doctor of chiropractic and so my work in internal medicine really started before going to medical school knowing that I wanted to do something that was a little bit out of the box compared to what normal conventional medical doctors would want to do decided to internal medicine because it gave me a very general education and then I could kind of specialize from there and so I've worked since that time uh in the field of hyperbaric medicine which is a really cool field that kind of combines uh both conventional and let's call it alternative medical ideas into the same practice I didn't realize initially that's what I was going to do I just happened to learn about hyperbaric medicine at a trauma facility that I trained in during my time in Maryland in Baltimore where I did 10 years of training a little bit less than but I spent 10 years there wow. and I learned about some of the crazy things that hyperbaric therapy can help like flesh eating bacteria carbon monoxide poisoning uh, soft tissue infections trauma things like that and then I did my own research on understanding that there was a whole crap ton of information and research that had been done outside of the United States showing how hyperbaric therapy could help with brain injury and stroke and chronic pain and potentially dementia and a lot of other conditions where i realized if i could create an integrative practice that could do both that could allow conventional patients the opportunity to get hyperbaric therapy for insurance coverable indications in the US along with bringing people into the hyperbaric community that were coming from 
either places where they had complex medical illness and they weren't getting better, um, or they had some of these other conditions where there weren't a lot of uh, really conventional treatments for them. Or uh, finally, if they were in the optimal performance world, which is where I gravitated pretty quickly, actually, meeting the, the founder of the Bulletproof Diet, Dave Asprey, back in 2013 or 2014, maybe. I think it was actually 2013. And even before his first book came out uh, about the Bulletproof Diet, etc. So, and then I started getting more involved in the animal performance community and, and hyperbaric therapy in that frame. So I developed a practice that sort of integrates hyperbaric medicine as my, it's called specialty, amazing, awesome, spectacular biohack. And then everything else is underneath that of like a, a foundational practice and then a network of clinicians and practitioners and other therapies that I will lead people to depending on what's needed. Wonderful. What is HBOT or what is hyperbaric oxygen therapy and how does it work for a layman? For anyone new to yeah. it, could you please share some insight on the thing? Absolutely. So hyperbaric therapy is very simple. It's just a combination of increased atmospheric pressure and increased inspired oxygen. So pressure is pretty cool, actually. And it's the reason why hyperbaric therapy works the way it does. If you go under a certain amount of seawater, for example, and we're simulating that pressure in a chamber, so if you are under 33 feet of seawater, for example, or three meters of seawater, not three, 30, 10, 10, 10 meters of seawater, there it is. <laughs> my I'm conversions, a, man. I'm a scuba diver, so I can understand exactly what you Yeah, mean. my conversions. Yeah. Uh, but so if you're on t under 10 meters of seawater, yeah. all of that water above you is exerting a significant pressure on you. These waters yeah. are very heavy. Exactly. Molecule. Yeah. You, you pick up a bucket of water, it's extremely heavy. So we're simulating that pressure you would feel under a certain amount of seawater in the chamber. That's the first thing that we're doing. The second thing that we're doing is that we're increasing the amount of oxygen that you're breathing. At sea level, you have 21% oxygen in the air. Now, if you live in a, a major city where there's lots of pollution, there might be a little bit less than that. But in general, it's 21% oxygen, the rest is nitrogen and then other gases, more pollutants and more polluted the area that you live in. And so what we're doing in the chamber usually is we're increasing the amount of inspired oxygen from 21% up to as much as 100% of oxygen. Wow. And so the, it's the combination of the two that drives more oxygen in circulation. Now, typically oxygen is carried on our red blood cells. Red blood cells have this molecule on them called hemoglobin. Hemoglobin carries that oxygen from the lungs where we, we take a deep breath, that oxygen comes in, and then it, that oxygen gets brought to the areas of our body that's required. There's four sites of hemoglobin on each red blood cell, and those hemoglobin sites will bind oxygen and then let oxygen off as it's required in our cellular, in our organs, in our, in our body, basically. Now, there's two ways to increase oxygen carrying capacity. So the amount of oxygen that we can get to our tissue. The first way is by increasing the number of red blood cells in circulation. The increase in red blood cells in circulation can happen in a couple ways. The most common way to do that is actually to go to a higher altitude. So to go above sea level where there's less oxygen in the air. And then when that happens, the body gets stimulated to produce more red blood cells. 
There are also a couple other ways that are famous for increasing red blood cell mass. And these are the illegal ways that people like Lance Armstrong and other cyclists have used in other sports to increase their oxygen carrying capacity. And that's by using a medication called Epigen or EPO. EPO is the medication that will do that. Um, and there's also by actually transfusing yourself more red blood cells right before a competition is going to increase the amount of red blood cell in circulation and thus increase your oxygen carrying capacity. But in a chamber, in a hyperbaric chamber, when we combine pressure with that increased oxygen, we're actually driving oxygen into the plasma or the liquid of your blood. Where we're actually getting free floating liquid oxygen that can then get further into tissue and we can get up to 1200% or actually more oxygen in circulation using that pressure. Without pressure, you wouldn't be able to do it though because of some physics equations and physics formulas and things like that that basically say that the more pressure you put on the gas, the more of that gas is going to change into liquid form. So in this case, that liquid is oxygen. We're driving more oxygen into the liquid or the plasma of our blood. And as a result of that, we're increasing oxygen carrying capacity dramatically. So we have increased our, is there a particular limit that you can increase your oxygen carrying capacity to a certain limit in the body or it can keep on increasing the more you stay in the chamber or? So there is no limit in quotes, I would say. You can always get more oxygen in circulation, but the more pressure you put somebody under, the more potential side effects you may develop as you do that. So. And that's why hyperbaric therapy is usually short periods of time, usually somewhere between 60 minutes to 120 minutes in the chamber. Mm -hmm. And also we don't go to deep, deep, deep pressures. We have a pressure range that we use that's the most therapeutic. And that pressure range is anywhere between 1.3 atmospheres to, to 3.0 atmospheres, really, um, depending on the indication. Certain indications and certain conditions are more sensitive to oxygen and pressure than other indications. For example, the brain is more sensitive to oxygen and to pressure than the, the knee or the, the foot. And so we have different pressures and different times in the chamber that we use depending on what the indication is. Wonderful. So what are the top main benefits of HBOD therapy or hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love to answer this in like two specific ways, actually. But the first way is just to give you a basic idea of like the four or five things that hyperbaric therapy does. But then understanding that there is the immediate effect of going in the chamber. And there's also the long-term effects of a protocol of therapy. The immediate effects are related to the acute immediate infusion of all that oxygen. Okay, and then the long-term improvements and, and changes that we can see are related to what we call epigenetic shifts of the DNA, of how expression and suppression changes depending on um, what's required for healing, because that's what the hyperbaric therapy chambers are really doing. So in essence, to start off, hyperbaric therapy does four different things. It reverses hypoxia, decreases inflammation, causes a massive release of stem cells, mm -hmm. and kills bugs that do not like high oxygen environments. So those are the four things. But in the immediacy, 
you immediately get into the chamber, it's reversing hypoxia, right? So you're getting oxygen to tissue that might be at risk of dying. So if you've had an acute heart attack, stroke, traumatic brain injury, tra trauma to your spinal cord, trauma to a limb, um, and this also includes surgery as well. If you have an acute surgery or acute injury, hyperbaric therapy is going to get more oxygen to that tissue and can potentially prevent it from dying because we've diffused so much oxygen into your circulation that that oxygen then can get to the tissue at a higher rate as a result of the diffusion capacity outside of a blood vessel. So in the immediate, in the immediacy, it's also constricting down blood vessels a little bit. And that's actually really important if you have a blood vessel that's been injured, because that blood vessel that's been injured might be leaking things into the surrounding tissue bed that are causing swelling. And so hyperbaric therapy can decrease swelling as a result as well. And so it also immediately decreases inflammation. It causes an immediate release of stem cells as well. And these stem cells are in our bone marrow, in our brain, that are these cells that can go to any area in our body that can allow the, the, that tissue to start healing. It also revs up the immune response. So it helps the immune system start getting, uh, getting a process going that will help the tissue to regenerate itself or heal itself. And it's also <clears throat> causing more, ob obviously more oxygen to get to the area, but also causing more lymphatic flow as well. So helping for detoxification. Now on the, the long-term protocol side of things, we're having that epigenetic shift. So now not only are we reversing hypoxia in the short term, in the long term we're reversing hypoxia by creating new blood vessels in areas that have been injured, okay? Amazing. We're also causing expression of certain genes that are responsible for decreasing inflammation. So these inflammatory markers are going down. We also have these continued stem cells being released from our bone marrow. So continuing to have this stimulus to have our um, our body regenerate itself, one of your arms, right? There you go. And then finally, in the infection side of things, we are killing bugs that do not like high oxygen environments. And this happens in the short term and also in the long term, depending on the particular indication. So we are regenerating, we are rejuvenating, we are revitalizing some other R's for you. That's what we're doing. <laughs> we're doing all the R's of the Triple R show. <laughs> Rejuvenate. <laughs> Wonderful. I think so. That's fantastic. Bring it all back home. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, so because it does so many things. So, what are the diseases it helps cure? And uh, cure is not a word that we use. Or prevent. A lot. Yeah, we, we that we that we can address. Let's say yeah. right. So, we have uh, there's about 14 indications in the United States where insurance will cover hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So it'll be insurance approved. Okay. Those most commonly that you'll see are the trauma-related ones that I was talking about before, soft tissue infections like necrotizing fasciitis or flesh-eating bacteria. But in the outpatient setting, like the more uh, the more stable setting, you have things like diabetic foot ulcers. So yeah. patients with diabetes that have ulcers that are non-healing, yeah. radiation injury injury from cancer treatment. So you've had radiation therapy because of a cancer, and now you have a radiation-induced injury that's occurred six months or later after your radiation exposure. You have a chronic bone infection that's not getting better. You have a, a flap or a graft that's been placed because of a plastic surgery that's not healing or not looking like it's going to take, and so hyperbaric therapy can be helpful there. Or if you've had hearing loss as well. Uh, those are particular indications. If you've had scorpion bites, spider bites, cyanide poisoning, which I don't expect most people have had, 
those things also can be covered by hyperbaric therapy uh, from the insurance companies in the United States. That's amazing. The other, yeah, the other category of things is the what we call investigational or non-insurance approved in the U.S. These are, there's about 50 of them that have really great data and about 100 total that look very promising. Um, and in the end, I think of hyperbaric therapy for most of these indications as an understanding of what that baseline physiology is, right? So reversing hypoxia, decreasing inflammation, stem cell release and killing bugs. And so we are using hyperbaric therapy in traumatic brain injury, uh, both the acute traumatic brain injury, acute concussions, as well as in patients with post-concussive syndrome, in patients with strokes, in patients with reflex sympathetic dystrophy or chronic pain syndromes, in patients that are looking to optimize their surgical recovery. If they've had a surgery and they want to get better faster or recover faster, hyperbaric therapy is going to help them recover between 30% to 70% faster, depending on what else they're doing. Um, also dementia, so Alzheimer's, vascular, Parkinson's-related dementias, hyperbaric therapy can be helpful too. Lyme disease, uh, infertility, uh, even opioid and alcohol withdrawal, actually some interesting stuff. But the key for most of this stuff, Rajneesh, is that it's not just about getting in the chamber most of the time, right? It's about what is your underlying strategy for optimizing your health? And then how can hyperbaric therapy be a synergizer and accelerator of your goals. Because in general, if it's an acute issue, hyperbaric therapy can be fantastic at helping heal. But if it's a chronic long-term, it's a chronic issue or if it's a chronic long-term goal, then hyperbaric therapy very likely is going to be one potential awesome strategy to help you get there. But very likely it's not going to be the only one by a long shot. Oh, that's amazing. That's lots and lots of benefits and lots and lots of diseases helps to cure. And I'm surprised not uh, that the Medicaid. modern doctors mitigate. But what I'm surprised is that modern doctors are not using it to that extent. So I think so sooner or later, or maybe in few years, people are going to use this tool more. Well, it's, it's the accessibility of it, Rajneesh, right? So not everybody has the access to get into a chamber. And I completely resonate and understand that. So it's really that the, the community of, of hyperbaricists, the doctors that do hyperbaric medicine, are now understanding that there's various roles of all the different types of chambers that we have. We have mild hyperbaric chambers, which go to about 1.3 atmospheres. These are soft-sided hyperbaric chambers. They're a little bit more affordable. Um, they're more portable. Their indications are more neurocognitive in nature. And then for the optimal performance recovery biohackers, I like to call them the neurohacker specials because you can do other things in the chamber too. You can bring in neurofeedback, you can bring in your heart rate variability technology, you can bring in your lights, you can do like lots of cool additional things. And I wrote an article for Ben Greenfield's blog that detailed a lot of the things that you could potentially do inside the chamber. Now, the deeper pressures, like 1.3 and deeper, those chambers are not as accessible, uh, but they're becoming more accessible. And the reason is because more of this is happening. But what it comes down to, Rajneesh, and when I, I talk about with, when I talk about this with my clients and I talk about those that are interested in hyperbaric therapy, I say that the most important thing that anybody can do is not go into a hyperbaric chamber, but to optimize their health from a foundational perspective first, before they even consider 
these kinds of therapies to, to continue that optimization journey because it's that optimization of the cellular foundation that really allows you to harness the power of your cells to make more energy effectively, for example. You know, for my perspective, if you're going to be in a hyperbaric chamber, what is oxygen actually doing, right? All that oxygen in circulation is allowing you to create more energy at the cellular level. And not only is oxygen necessary for you to make it, you have to have all the other factors that are required that will make energy along with the oxygen being that final electron acceptor. You have to have the right vitamins, minerals, nutrients. You can't, can't be toxic if your gut is leaky and your neurotransmitters are off and everything else is screwed up, you're not going to make energy effective. So for me, it's about looking at that foundation first. And then after that foundation is optimized, as long as it's not an acute indication, if there's an acute need to get into the chamber, we just, we get you in, we throw shit at the wall and in an educated way and we get you better or we try to. But if there's a more of a long-term strategy, then there's that optimization and that foundation that I'm pretty emphatic about for most of my clients. Oh, that is amazing. So if somebody comes to you, so how do you take them? So first step, you take them through the uh, through, through the gut health and the things you mentioned, and then you put them in and suggest them for hyperbaric oxygen therapy, or how do you take any client and what is the protocol you follow? Just, uh, it could be very exciting for anyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a good question. I'm just thinking about how to answer it in a succinct way, succinct way. And I think the easiest way to frame it is that it's, it's starting a journey with me, typically, when people start talking to me because they think they're going to be talking about hyperbaric oxygen therapy and, then, and I don't even talk about it until like the last 10% of our phone call. <laughs> so it's usually talking about foundational principles first. And I have a, a program that I developed as the result of having a mentor who you met, I think, as well, when we met together at the Health Optimization Summit back last year in yes. the UK. His name is Dr. Ted Achacoso. And yes, I met Dr. Ted, he developed a pro Yeah, yeah, so you met Ted, and, and he developed a program called Health Optimization Medicine. He's, that's what he called it, and that's something that I use in my own practice, which is this foundational approach to health that I've been describing to you that goes through seven pillars of health looking at something called metabolites or metabolites and looking at vitamins, minerals, nutrients, hormones, etc. Looking at gut health uh, and food intolerances, looking at epigenetics and, and toxins in our environment called exposomics, looking at chronobiology, so sleep and sleep related types of optimization, evolutionary biology, so where your ancestors were and came from and also understanding how some of our genes are good when, when they're young but not as good when we're old kind of thing. It's like there's lots of really cool terms related to that, but um, looking at um, other, what am, I, what am I missing? Bioenergetics of so sleep, water, magnetism, grounding. So I put people in a frame that looks at all these, at least in, from my perspective, of what's going to be foundational health. You know, setting conditions aside, because health optimization medicine is not a, a framework that really addresses any particular condition, it really addresses that foundational idea of cellular optimization and then from there you can build on specific treatments and things if you need them with other practitioners or other therapies etc so i usually start off with that that health optimization medicine framework 
And then on top of that, we talk about hyperbaric medicine, we talk about other therapies that may be helpful, other practices, whether it be meditation or a movement practice or neurofeedback or lights or cold thermogenesis, as I know you're a big fan of and breathing and others as well. Oh, wonderful. That was very holistic because you brought everything together and then you suggested also HBOT. And, uh, yeah, that's the thing. And by the way, hyperbaric therapy might help you, but if you're not having an acute need for it, consider some of this other stuff beforehand. Like I'll get people that always, that'll, that'll connect with me, Rajneesh, and say, I have migraines or I have, I have Lyme disease or I, have, I want to optimize my brain or whatever. And so hyperbaric therapy is sort of uh, it's the red herring. It's the canary in the, not the canary in the coal mine. It's more of a red herring for me in the sense that like, that's what, why people know me a lot of times, but oftentimes as a result, I take them or I start having them consider a more holistic term. Yeah. So they come for the desire for um, HBOT and then you give them their needs, what is your holistic approach. That was wonderful, Dr. Scott. Uh, Dr. Scott, I was very fascinated with uh, your ritual during uh, while you're doing the HBOT and I heard it in one of the podcasts. And I would love uh, if you could share, like, what do you do while doing the HBOT while you're inside? Mm -hmm. and, uh, well, it's going to depend on the type of chamber that you have. Right, so if you have a mild or a soft-sided hyperbaric chamber where you can bring things into the chamber with you, there's lots of things that you could potentially do and there's lots of things that you could potentially not do. In mm -hmm. fact, my favorite thing is to not do anything <laughs> and, uh, and, sit and use that time as a meditative space because I found that meditation in the chamber can be a fantastic, it, it's a fantastic, uh, journey because you feel all that oxygen has this way of just making you feel at least in my from my meditative practices makes you feel that oneness and that feeling of connectedness a lot quicker actually and a lot and a, a lot more profound on some level like i found that on no other substances at all i can feel almost psychedelic where like i can almost feel like you're on drugs like without going you're just on oxygen, man. You know, it's, so it's so it's like I use it as a as as a meditative space, as a sensory deprivation space for many people who need to unplug, you know, from like their daily whatevers, their daily stories of who they are and what they need to do, and the usual kinds of things. <clears throat> um, you can also use it though for a way to kind of biohack yourself in the sense of using neurofeedback, using using lights, um, doing cognitive tasks. So we know that. Uh, multitask performance goes up in a hyperbaric chamber so it's you can use chamber potentially for task related things um, doing your work for example taking meetings having calls I've done one hyperbaric I've done one uh, podcast in a hyperbaric chamber oh, yeah. uh, it was yeah but I was but the noise is a little bit tough yeah. so yeah the lady that was doing it she was pretty gracious and had somebody kind of take out some of the noise afterwards but so you can do your calls you can do some of your media those kinds of things in the chamber maybe just be careful if it's going to be recorded because you might get some hissing in the background like some hiss kind of sound but anyway so you can do those kinds of things and then you also can think about what you can do before you go into the chamber to optimize it and sort of after as well so before the first thing to think about is obviously optimizing your health as we've described it if you're looking at other tools that are going to optimize oxygen 
delivery or oxygen utilization, then you think of things like light therapy, sauna, you think about supplements that'll help with vasodilation like arginine or nitric oxide itself, like some of the NO supplements, and niacin being another one that opens up blood, vascul blood vascularization, helps with dilation of blood vessels as well. So those are some of the things that I think about. Another one that's kind of, it's up your alley is cold thermogenesis. So when you're cold, you constrict down, but when you get out of the cold, you vasodilate. So you can use that dilation to help. There's also uh, pulse electromagnetic field technologies that help with microcirculatory flow. There's more, but those are some of the things that I think about beforehand. And then afterwards, you're looking at potentially a couple of things. One is trying to utilize that oxygen that you just got diffused into your system. So you have about 30 minutes, maybe up to 45 minutes where all that oxygen is still circulating. Mm -hmm. So while that oxygen is still circulating, you can do tasks that can be thought to optimize that oxygen utilization. So for you, that could be cognitive, it could be physical, it depends on what you're going in for and what your goals are. Um, you can also use that time to help with detoxification and so using things like sauna, um, compression types of technologies, etc. are also things you can consider. That's wonderful, wonderful insight. So there are many things you can do in, uh, in the HBOT therapy, uh, in chamber as well depending on what you like. Because once I did it in London I felt um, I don't know what kind of machine it was there, but uh, I felt a little lightheaded as soon as I came out of it. And mm -hmm. maybe I was trying it for the first time as well. Thanks well, you just got oxygenated, right? So you're, you got more oxygen to your brain. And okay. in some patients, they'll, in some people, they'll feel more lightheaded. Yeah. Some people that have injuries will feel like their veil has lifted. Like all of a sudden they can think for the first time in a long time. And mm -hmm. those that's obviously a good sign. But feeling lightheaded is common, especially in that don't have like any injuries that are just going in and getting hyperoxygenated. Um, that typically it will go in for about 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. That's how it happens. So anyone new to the chamber, like uh, what kind of HBOT therapy chamber they should uh, or they can invest in? Because if they are just using it for their health performance or to just upgrade their health and well-being. Sure. Yeah, I've developed a company that's based, well, we're actually a global company, it's called HBOT Plus, and looking to help people understand the best chamber for them and then creating some new technologies over the next six months to a year that are going to help optimize no matter what chamber you have. But in general, what I think about is it really depends on your goals, right? So if you have more neurocognitive and biohacking goals, in the soft chambers, the mild hyperbaric units are probably your best bet. If you have more of an acute injury um, or more of a chronic injury, um, then you want, you want to consider a deeper chamber to get into for a protocol of therapy. Uh, but it may be something beneficial to do a protocol of therapy at a deeper pressure and then have the softer chambers, the milder pressures at home to kind of maintain yourself. And that's what I often do or recommend for people that have had neurocognitive injuries, for example. If they've had a traumatic brain injury, if they are on the spectrum, like autistic spectrum, cerebral palsy, uh, uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, those kinds of things. Those patients, I'll often recommend doing hard chamber treatment at deeper pressure first, and then maintaining over the long term at the milder pressures if possible. That's not gonna be possible for everybody, but that's my sort of ideal for people. Now, if you have more of a systemic issue, like if you're looking for cardiac optimization and 
Lyme disease, you have chronic infections, mold, surgical optimization for like deeper kinds of more significant surgeries, those things require deeper pressures. Mm -hmm. And so those would be deeper pressure protocols. What I should also mention is the chamber protocols are done on successive days, mm -hmm. typically. So we're talking Monday through Friday, five days on, two days off for the protocol of therapy. That's how hyperbaric therapy works. It's that oxygen exposure on the DNA on the cumulative process that allows these epigenetic shifts to happen. So you're looking at protocols that are anywhere between three treatments mm -hmm. to 120 treatments, depending on the indication. But the more the acute indication, the less hyperbaric therapy you need typically to get to your goals. And the more the long-term that the issues have been going on, the more hyperbaric therapy is required. Oh, that was a fantastic insight for anyone new and for anyone with chronic infections as well. Great. Uh, Dr. Scott, if, uh, you have uh, in your house also, you said you have a lot of many small biohacks, big biohacks. So, um, and you have been into uh, uh, this community as well as as well in the biohacking community, coming to the Health Optimization Summit mm -hmm. speaker mm -hmm. there. And it was wonderful to listen to you there. So I'm very excited to hear like, what are your favorite biohacks to increase your performance and well-being? Sure, I have some favorites, of course. Right now, and I think for the last five, four or five years now, my favorite has been my infrared sauna. That's probably my favorite you know, biohack, if you want to call it. It's, it's something that I use almost nightly, helps with detoxification. I'll meditate in there. Sometimes I'll watch a movie in there, but I, it's really kind of my, my room in my very small house mm -hmm. where I have lots of kids r running around. So at night when everybody's sleeping, I go in my sauna and I do my meditation. I'll do some breathing or something. And it's, that's kind of my biggest and my most uh, helpful. Um, I think I, I also have a couple other ones. I mean, obviously meditation is a big one for me too. Uh, meditation and, and my infrared sauna are probably my two biggest on a daily basis. And then I also have four kids. So I often like to say that playing with them is also a great biohack and remembering what it is to be a kid and and being living in the moment. It's kind of like a meditation on some level, if you want to think about it that way. I'm sure you you know exactly what I'm talking about, Rajneesh. Yeah, exactly, because I have a five-year-old old running around the house all the time, so I can imagine and we learn a lot from them. I just want to be like them, but I can't be like them. So it's always a challenge. Oh, you can, you can. Yeah. They're living in the moment, right? They're, they're not thinking about the past, not, not thinking about the future, they're just there. And so it's something that we can develop over time and we can, we can cultivate in ourselves. Of course, not as much as a, as a three-year-old, but we can, we can have moments of clarity like that during our day. We're like, oh, there's nothing else that's going on. We are here and that's it. And that's all, right? And so that's all we have, right? It's, it's the be here now thing, right? So, and that's, that's all we have is here and now. So that's what the kids are great for. And they're also really great at getting you uh, to realize that you're not in control. <laughs> um, whatever control you think you have, you don't. You don't. So that's that. That was a, a very instructive one for me nine years ago when I had a baby that didn't want to sleep for the first six months of her life. So, <laughs> yeah, because uh... major one. I have others, of course, right? You know the the intermittent fasting, the prolonged. I do longer fast every quarter. Uh, I do, I have other things like therapy and I have 
uh, what else do I have in my house? I have pulse electromagnetic field technology, other stuff. But for, uh, for me, I try to keep it as basic as possible. Um, what, what are we eating? What's the water that we're drinking? You know, what's the light exposure I'm getting on a daily basis? Uh, what are the relationships I'm, I'm trying to cultivate? What are the roles I'm playing? And understanding what those roles are and playing them lightly, and uh, but with passion and purpose and those kinds of things. So. Uh, you said, uh, what kind of water we are drinking? Because we are made of a 70% water. Like, what do you see uh, and what do you want to look after while you're drinking your water? Mm, yeah, so water is polluted in general. That's coming mm. from the taps that we drink. And so uh, anything from hormone disruptors to pesticides that are not hormone disruptors and to toxins and to other things. So in general, trying to have at least a reverse osmosis, if you can, uh, reverse osmosis system in your house would be great. Otherwise, drinking mineral waters and waters that have been uh, reverse osmosis at the very least. I try to add a little bit of salt to most of my water if it's reverse osmosis. Mm -hmm. uh, it can be Himalayan or, or Celtic sea salt or something to help mineralize it and optimize the mineral content. So that, those are the things I think about. And, and also not drinking out of plastic. So trying to drink out of glass and, and not drinking out of plastic containers, especially that, are, that have been heated. Mm -hmm. This is definitely in some of the countries, like in Italy, we always have glass bottles. But in India or most of the countries, the water is everywhere served in the plastic bottles and you're buying that everywhere and that is causing us the pollution that happens as a result of that too right so, yeah. great so that is amazing and, and i i also love to do the interest sauna because it helps in our deep sleep as well right it helps to um, to improve our sleep what is your thoughts on for that? most people that would be the case now if you're toxic no but if you're not toxic yes so it's actually a pretty good indicator. If you go into the infrared sauna yeah. and you sleep like shit or you feel terrible, yeah. that usually means that you have a lot of toxicity and inflammation that needs to be addressed. Okay. That's also the case in the chamber too, interestingly enough. Mm. If you go to the deeper pressures and you feel terrible, mm. that usually means you have a lot of inflammation or a lot of bugs, maybe a lot of, a lot of micro, microbes that are kind of hanging out that need to be addressed. So that's not always the case, but it often is if we see that happen. So, but yes, in general, infrared saunas are really good for helping in deep sleep. One of the reasons they do that is actually they decrease your body temperature, mm -hmm. right? So decreasing your body temperature before you go to bed will help you sleep better. So that's why you don't want to do cold before you go to bed because cold is going to increase your body temperature, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah, because it was getting 10.30 before I had to meet you. So and I sleep by 11 o'clock, so I thought I'll just take a ice bath. So I did an ice bath, so I feel <laughs> refreshed because uh, I know it's a great biohack just to feel in the moment and feel more energetic and suddenly yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, well, well done. Yeah, with all the good hormones. <laughs> ice bath is, uh, is not for the faint of heart, but I, I appreciate you staying up late for me today, Rashtish. No, 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 thank you so much, I think. So I asked you all the questions. Anything else you'd like to share for the listeners or and how they can follow you uh, on your Instagram and your website. Could you please share that? Sure. Yeah, we went through things quickly. So that uh, that's always nice, actually. That yeah. usually means that we were really good at being, I was, I was better at being succinct at my answers, which is, which is good. I like to try to do that. My, yeah, so I have a worldwide hyperbaric practice. I have a virtual, hyperbaric practice and so I educate, I advocate, I consult with 
with patients, with clinics across the world. I do it through my website, integrativehbot.com, along with my Instagram page where you always can connect with me. It's at Dr. Scott Scherr, S-C-O-T-T-S-H-E-R-R. And I have a Facebook page as well that is developed specifically for my HBOT Plus company, where we're looking to develop uh, chambers and technology to help optimize and educate and make things even safer than they are already. So those are the major places. I also have uh, the nonprofit company that educates health optimization medicine in partner with my colleague, Dr. Ted Atricoso. And that's something that, that if you're interested, or if anybody's interested, they can go and check out homehope.org. We also, that company has a for-profit that puts out nootropics. Uh, one of them is called Blue Canatine that makes your tongue blue and optimizes brain performance and things. And so that's at Troscriptions on Instagram. What happens to the, uh, the blue canatine? What exactly it does? Because I've seen the, the yellow tongue, uh, the blue tongues, and what exactly it's doing to your brain, if you're having Well, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. In short, it's, it's, it's four nootropic ingredients that are put together in the same, mm. uh, same compound called a troche, which is something that dissolves on, in, on the side of your mouth mm. over about 15 to 30 minutes. And what you see here is that you have two stimulant ingredients. One's, one's caffeine, which everybody knows. Mm. Another one is nicotine, which is obviously the active ingredient in, in cigarettes, but it's also a fantastic nootropic when it's not given in cigarette form. Mm. Um, and it's not as addicting when it's not smoked or vaped, et cetera. Um, so it's a fantastic nootropic. And then you have uh, CBD, which, is a, which helps with sort of neuroprotection and inflammation. And then the, the fourth is methylene blue, which turns your tongue blue. And that helps with oxygen. It works kind of like oxygen does at the cellular level, improving energy production. And so it's got this neuroprotective effect as well, cognitive optimization potential. So it's these four ingredients together that make blue canatine. That's insightful because I've not tried the blue canatine still yet. I wrote to them that they were not sending it, sending it or selling it to India as of now. But maybe no, but if you know any, if you if you can find us a way to get it to India, come on, Rajni, we're all we're down. We uh, we have some wholesalers down in the UK in okay. the EU, so there might be a way to get it that way. But that's as much as I can help you with so far. Yeah, yeah I would love to bring it to India if any possibility of that arises. But, yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you for the amazing insight, a lot of knowledge, a lot of wisdom you passed, and uh, thank you for taking out time for coming to the Triple R show. And My pleasure. So, Thank you for having me, Rajneesh. You have a fantastic evening. I hope you can sleep after your ice bath. <laughs> definitely. I'm wearing my blue blocker glasses, so definitely that will also help. And it has been an 45 minutes, so after an hour or so, I think so I should be able to sleep. Well. So, Dr. Get Scott, back in the sauna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. And uh, if you come to India, you're more, more than welcome to be our guest. And uh, we would love to have you. I would you love that. Yeah. And I would love that. At some you, point, I would love that. Yeah. So to you and to all of our listeners, till the time we meet again, stay pranic with lots of zeal and lots of vitality.